0: Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city.
1: This is the heart of the city. I'm Chuck Olmstead, the director of local ministry development for 820 AM The Word. I have a couple of special guests here today. They are Rick and Jana Malm. They're with Commission to Every Nation. And Rick and Jana, welcome to Heart of the City.
2: Thank you. Delight to be here. You. Loving it.
1: Well, I, you've been in Seattle for a few days, and the, the weather's been... Uh, pretty good for you. Hopefully,
2: yeah. <laughs> every time we come, it's great, and every time we come, people say it always rains here. And I go, Nah, I just uh, think you're saying yeah. that to keep people from moving here. It, it's
1: true. It's true. We don't. <laughs> we don't want, want more people coming anyway. So, well, Rick, you and I have an interesting uh, kind of crossing of paths. Uh, yes. We've uh, actually known of each other since we were kids. Uh, right. You and I grew up in the same hometown. We went to the same church. You graduated from high school a year before I did, but we really don't know each other. Exactly, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
2: interesting, yeah. It
1: is interesting. Uh, the church where we grew up in was a very large church, Had a, was one of the top 50 Sunday schools of the country yeah. uh, at that time in those days, and uh you were a Sunday school kid, and I was a church kid, and we saw each other, but we didn't really know each other right. that yeah. well. Yeah. But uh, we grew up in Rock Island, Illinois, which is right on the Mississippi River. And uh, so tell me about your side of the story as far as Rock Island. I've got lots of memories, but tell me yeah. about growing up in Rock Island.
2: Yeah. Well, it was qu- quite interesting, and um, I grew up in a, a family that had some real struggles as a younger younger boy. Uh, my Uh, mother married an alcoholic uh, father and uh, so we had kind of a difficult time growing up and um, it was during that time she had just uh, divorced after there were several threats on our lives and attempts on you know to kill me and my brother by my father Uh, and a fella came and said hey you need to start coming to church and uh,
1: yeah hold on a second now uh because that's not a story most people hear your dad he was was he violent when he wasn't drinking or was it just kind of uh, just, an atmosphere that was toxic no, it,
2: it was the alcohol he he was one of those you know some folks get very lethargic when they drink and he's one that got very violent uh-huh. when he would drink and uh i tell a story in my book there about i i have two uh two real m- memories of my dad and they both involve hunting stories you know most kids their hunting stories or their dads are out in the woods together in exciting times of bonding and Mine, the first one, I was probably about two or three years old. Uh, I remember it, and I asked my mom about it. She said, oh, she couldn't believe I remembered it. But it was uh, my grandparents had stuffed me in the back of a little tool shed and said, be real quiet. Your daddy's hunting you. And Mm -hmm. he was out with a rifle looking to uh, shoot me. And, you know, whether he would have carried it out or not, you know, who knows. He was just – but he would get violent when he was drunk. And then the other hunting experience was in Rock Island where um, we lived in a uh, government – a housing project there and i remember one night waking up and there were sirens and police all around and the police were hunting my dad in the field across the street from us he was armed again and they all had their pistols drawn and i'm, I'm probably three or four years old and i'm thinking oh how exciting this is my mm-hmm. daddy they're looking for <laughs> yeah you know? yeah and later i look back and i go wow that's pretty crazy it is pretty that's crazy pretty crazy <laughs> yeah yeah and so yeah it was uh i, I you know you you only know what you know as a kid and that's your environment that's all you know and looking back on it i realized wow what god has done to uh, bring us out of that because it was through that through the divorce situation then that uh, a fellow who i talked with later who told me yeah i'm the guy that your dad always called at 2 a.m when he was drunk or in jail or in a gutter somewhere he's the fellow who invited us to go to church and um we started going to the Moline Gospel Temple there, mm-hmm. and it was a tremendously evangelistic church. In fact, their motto was the Evangelistic Center. That's right. And sure enough, we, uh, I came, and you know, it was just one of those things where God got a hold of my heart as a little, probably four-year-old. And uh, so I, I, we started going regularly. But as I was telling you earlier, it was kind of weird. We, I didn't realize how strange it was at the time. You know, Most people skip Sunday school and go to church. Well, we right. went to Sunday school. And, and didn't go to church. Didn't go to church. Yeah, in to fact, the regular I service. always dreaded Easter because they combined Sunday school and mm-hmm. church, and so we had to stay a long time, <laughs> I remember, as a kid. Yes. Wow, these services are long.
1: Yes, they were. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so we would, yeah, we'd go to Sunday school, and then my mom married a wonderful fellow who uh, took us boys in and, uh, and as his own, and he started going to Sunday school with us. So we would pop there and go to Sunday school, and then as soon as Sunday school's over, they'll all head out to the car. While everybody else is heading into the church, we're heading out to the car to go home. But what, what was amazing about it, I just, you know, I would encourage pastors. I've pastored many years myself, and I, what made such a difference in my life is this church had an amazing Sunday school program that you went through the Bible like every mm-hmm. four or five years. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, I didn't know at the time, but looking back on it, I realized that you would go through the Bible, and then you'd start over again at a little upper level. And so and I realized my foundation when I really met the Lord as a senior in high school was so solid in the Word because I knew the stories. And so when then I connected that with the reality of Christ in my life, I had a good foundation. And I realized so many uh, Sunday schools, you're, it's so easy to talk about themes or, and not just really get into the Word. So whenever we were pastoring, I tried to make sure, hey, in the Sunday school, you're putting the Word into the kids you know, systematically, line upon line. And because uh, it made such a difference in my life, the, the solid Bible background I had that when I really met the Lord, then I could connect all those stories and they had life, but I wasn't just starting from ground zero.
1: Well, tell me about you're a senior in high school. This is 1972, 71, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, fall of 71, spring right. of 72. Uh, I remember being in high school there. Uh, Rock Island High School was a really large school, about 2,800 right. students. The Jesus movement was really strong at that time, yeah. lots of Jesus freaks running around yeah. and uh, going and witnessing at Vanderveer Park over in Davenport and all kinds of things happening in the Jesus movement. Yeah. And uh, what happened with you?
2: Well, that's what happened to me. I um, I saw a poster one time where they had a band and it was um, uh, going to be this thing. And I, you know, I, I thought I was a Christian. I mean, I went to church, well, Sunday school, you know. Right. <laughs> so I thought I was a Christian. and. So I was this Christian band, and it was going to be rock music. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'll, I'll buzz over there and see what's happening. It happened to be in the Masonic Lodge, the Masonic Temple there uh-huh. in Moline. And uh, it was the weirdest thing. I wandered in just by myself. Uh, just wandered in. It was in the foyer, and I was late. And uh, so something was already happening beyond the other doors. And when I walked in, just... I just started crying, just tears just flooded my eyes. and I had nobody talked to me. Nobody was even in the foyer. I didn't know what was going on. But I, uh, I'm kind of a, a, a sort of reserved guy. So I climbed up into the balcony in the back in the dark there and watched the whole thing. And at the end, they gave an altar call, an invitation, you know, the old traditional altar call. And I just sat there and I thought, wow, this is so nice what they're doing for these people. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good how they're helping them. And I thought, so I came back the next night. Same thing happened. Walked in as soon as I just it came in, my eyes just started watering. i was so embarrassed. I thought, what is this all about? I had no idea what it was about. And during that the message, the second night there, I realized that's that's me. I I don't know the Lord. I don't have Him in my life in a personal way. And so decided I needed to uh, go forward and. Uh, by the time I got down there, since I was way in the back, by the time I got down, they'd already invited people to the back. And, uh, you know, the the Jesus people movement was a very Pentecostal movement. man. Yes, it was. So mm-hmm. they invited, they. so I thought, well, let's go to the back, you know, and, and um, we're behind the curtain, and they're giving, actually, by that time, they'd had everybody pray for salvation, and they were leading them in an invitation to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I had no idea what was going on, but... I just came there and I'm listening and hearing this and all of a sudden this guy next to me, big guy next to me, raises his hands and he just starts quivering and shaking and and he falls backwards onto a folding chair that's behind that folding chair, just flattens out under him. He lays on the floor just shaking and I'm just looking at him and thinking, (laughs) Huh. I must have missed something. (laughs) I don't know what this is all about, you know. Uh But the long and short of it, I just just kept coming. They were there for about two weeks, and I kept coming and just slowly got the word into me. And then God hooked me up with some people that just discipled me. And uh, I was already signed up for the Navy. And um, so I went into the the military after that summer. But during that summer, I got some good discipleship. And um, just got grounded enough that, uh, and, and again, I had the Sunday school background. I had the Word background that I think made all the difference. Because many of the other people who came to the Lord in that same movement, I only know of one or two that are still faithfully serving mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Many went back into drugs. Many went back into their lifestyles. And um, I, I just really think it was that foundation. You know, you can say it's the grace of God, obviously, as well. But, but that foundation in the Word that helped me to stand strong when many others were washed away you know it's it's an anchor for our soul there
1: well let's fast forward you joined the navy 17 Mm -hmm. years old and Mm -hmm. uh gonna experience the world vietnam was still still
2: going on still
1: going on and so there was that uh i'm sure concern on from your family Mm -hmm. that you might end up on a ship uh nearby in uh, vietnam Uh, talk to me about that
2: well i uh i joined joined I was interested in photography I had gotten an interest in photography and I did a little checking around they had a real good school in photography and college wasn't something for me because uh you know my nobody in my family um had any kind of college experience and it was kind of that was expensive and what the rich kids did and my dad was in the military and I just kind of thought everybody either go to college or in the military I I didn't realize there were so few who did you know and so join the Navy, but it was really it was god 's hand as well, uh, even before you know he's he 's guiding you even before you're you know it, and mm-hmm. he 's directing your life and directing your steps and ordering those and so, in the military, i uh, uh, went through school, went through basic training, went through school, and um, I joined to go see the world. Many of my friends were wanting to be stationed back toward home and i 'm thinking why why do you join the Navy and then want to go back home you know and so I requested. You get three requests on what they call your dream sheet. You know, you get your three dreams. And I requested overseas, Europe, overseas, Orient, third request, anywhere overseas. And uh, I got assigned to Corpus Christi, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. (laughs) Well, I was in Florida, so technically you do cross the Gulf of Mexico, which is saltwater. So I guess it was overseas, I suppose, from Florida to Texas. But that was the Lord's hand as well, and God just connected me with a great church there through some amazing things, and that's where I met my wife. Uh, She had been, her parents had been founding members of that church, and so she had been born and raised in that church all of her life, and it was a great place, too, um, where we we served together, and um, we got married. We had one year left in uh, when we were married, and I I was due for transfer, and i was going to be transferred. I had six-year commitment, but at the end of that, it was the funniest thing. The pastor kept coming to me, and he said, now, you're getting out in September, right? And I go, no, 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 in September, I'm being transferred, and he would say, well, when you get out in September, I want you to join the church staff here. Well, I'm not getting out. I couldn't get it through his head. I'm not getting out in September. Well, sure enough, it came time for me to be transferred, and they were, the war had, the Vietnam War, they were, that was over, and they were downsizing, and um, so they just basically told me, go home, you know we're done you're done yeah and so um i was released from the military on friday and started to the pastor he said i want you to come on staff here and i i want you to go to college i want you to use your gi bill go to college and work in staff part-time here just find something to do and um so i was out on friday and started to college on monday and uh, we lived basically on the gi bill for the next four years the church Mm -hmm. paid me a little bit to uh help out and um it was funny because then you know i Years later, I'd worked with him for like 14 years on staff there for 10, and then he went off and started a training center, a missionary training center, and I came and started a church connect with that. And and looking back on it then after we'd worked together about 12 years, he told me, he says, you know, when I asked you to join the Navy, or after you came out of the Navy, I asked you to join the staff of the church here. He said, the only reason I did that is God clearly told me to do that. He said, I thought you were the most unlikely candidate for ministry I had ever met. You were just this arrogant young guy who didn't have a chance of making it. <laughs> We've been working together for 12 years now. I'm glad you didn't tell me that in the first six months. <laughs> exactly. you know? And he he just mentored me at that Point in time and and carried me along, you know, just in obedience to God. Yeah, and God opened the doors from there.
1: Well, we're speaking to uh, Rick Malm. He's the uh, founder and president of uh, Commission to Every Nation. And uh, Rick, you've got a book that uh, I had a chance to to read, and I appreciate you sending it to me. Uh, in that book, you talk a lot about the fact that you just really felt pretty unworthy of of any of this type of thing, that you didn't feel you were smart enough, bright enough, good enough to uh, to be a part of any kind of ministry or meaningful type of ministry. Talk to me about yeah.
2: that. Well, you know, the thing I've seen is, well, what's it, three times it says in Scripture, twice in the New Testament and in Psalms, paraphrase too, that God resists the proud. But gives grace to the humble, and so my walk has really been a, a walk of of grace. I mean, um, as I said, you know, I came from a background where college was never in my uh, my dreams or ideas, never even in my thoughts. Uh, God used a pastor to send me there, and and then it surrounded it was that church environment too of just being around people that encourage you, that 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 challenge you to see beyond what you're capable of, and then beginning to realize that, wow, God God uses ordinary people. You look in the Scripture, and there are very few people God used in Scripture that we would even invite to come pastor our churches. You know, they, they have moral failures, they uh, all kinds of problems. And um, God just, I think, delights to use ordinary people. In fact, I, I, uh, I believe that God is most glorified when he uses the least qualified. Mm-hmm. Because then there's no question as to who gets the glory, and it's been it was really step by step with me, and a lot of it was kind of me dragging my heels. The founding of this organization, for example, was uh, we were working with another mission agency, and um, we had uh, been invited to join them and come down and work with them, and um, I just, we just began to see a lot of opportunities. We were in Central America at the time, in Guatemala, the uh, war was still going on there, and so there were a lot of needs in that country. It was a horrible 30-plus year civil war where thousands and thousands of people died, and uh, we were there, and the ministry we worked with brought teams to the country, and we, so we brought medical teams, construction teams, evangelism teams, any kind of a, you just tell us what your church wants to do, and we would, our job was to find a place where that would be a blessing to the Guatemalan people and the Guatemalan church, and so I saw so many needs, and I just saw opportunities for people that didn't really need a whole lot of skills. If you were an electrician, there was a place you could serve. If you were an accountant, there was a place you could serve. If you could just hold crying babies and change diapers and clean up dirty floors, there was a place where you could serve. And so many needs, but there was no way to connect people who wanted to go with the needs. And uh, God just began to put it in my heart. I woke up one morning, in fact, and it, it occurred to me that what missionaries do is helping God to fulfill a promise he made to a friend some 4,000 years ago. Hmm. He promised Abraham, he said, uh, through you, I'm going to bless all nations. Well, then he sent his seed to bless all nations. But if until that nation has heard or until that ethnic group has heard, they've not received that promise of the blessing of Jesus. And so what missionaries are doing is helping to fulfill that promise that through the seed, one seed of Abraham, all nations will be blessed. So. I woke up one morning and just that phrase came to my mind: "Bless the nations, bless the nations." I thought, "Well, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of that, Lord." And but as it just began to be personal, no, I want you to bless the nations, and I kind of pulled back at that, you know, because that church plant we had tried to plant a church before, and eh, it was okay, you know, it it was, but it was a struggle, and it never really amounted to much, and. Um, we touched a few lives, and that's really the bottom line. But the church closed a couple of years after we left, you know, and we poured a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and prayer into that, you know. And and now we're down here, and I'm pedaling as fast as I can in Guatemala to touch this tiny little nation, and God's saying, bless the nations. And I'm going, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can to bless this tiny little nation of Guatemala, and I haven't even touched the surface of it. And I can't bless the nations, and it just began to be a, a growing kind of a swell of every morning when I would get up to pray. It's like I want you to bless the nations, and it just kind of it got really irritating. Actually, I was just kind of like, God, could you just sort of leave me alone so I can pray here? <laughs> you know, it was just sort of a hey, leave me alone. You know, I, we've tried that, we've done that before, and I'm I, that's, that's not me. And I observed years ago too that most of your directors of big ministries—they're pretty much my way of the highway guys. You know, mm-hmm. they're, this is the way it is. They got the vision, they got the passion, they know where they're going. And, I'm just not a let's charge that hill and take it kind of a guy. You know, I'm just sort of, well, what do you think? You know, should we take the hill? Should we take the hill? Well, let's wait till it calms down, you know. And and um, here God was challenging me to do something that was like way beyond me. And I I kept resisting and kept resisting. And finally it got to that point where maybe you've experienced it where that gentle, wooing dove of the Holy Spirit turns into the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he's saying, are you going to obey me or not? Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, We'll do this, but I'm not happy with it, and I'm not going to do anything to make it grow. I I did that with that little church plant; total waste of time, too much energy spent. I'm going to stay here in Guatemala doing what I would love to do. Yeah, but we'll start it.
1: Well, I'm I'm watching watching my clock here, and I know that uh, we're going to go into a second program okay. here. So, just so you know, because you've got we've got a lot to share, and I also want to include uh, Jana in on this conversation because. Uh Rick had said that uh you grew up in a Christian home there in Corpus Christi and um and uh this young sailor came into church one day and uh what did you see when you saw him?
3: I saw a little kid actually. <laughs> I had no idea Rick's not he was, a tall guy. I he was 17 my youth very 18 well. years old. I I really didn't know who he was. Um but uh, he came to the Sunday school class I was in, and I found out he was a photographer, so I thought, oh, I could use some photos. So we had him take some photos, and that's when the relationship began. And I I knew he was really strong in the Lord, which drew me to him. That was the greatest thing that drew me to him. He would be praying before church. I saw him just roll up his sleeves and doing things, uh, serving in any capacity he could. He worked with children, and then he ended up working with youth. I just saw his heart for the Lord, and that's what drew me to him. So it kind of began from there.
1: Yeah. So how did that then relationship, you know, we've kind of jumped ahead into the fact that you became missionaries in Guatemala, but during those years, after you met Rick, and by then, Rick, you were 21, 22 years old, probably um what started you thinking well this is the kind of person that I want to spend the rest of my life with
3: um well it kind of took me off guard um we had only been hanging out we didn't really do the dating thing we were in church things together and about six months into it we kind of accidentally got engaged. <laughs> yeah, really, it was. <laughs> okay. And then a year later. I've got a diamond
2: ring or anything. Like, I was like, well, I don't know.
3: <laughs> and then a year later, we were married. huh. Um, Mom and dad church, were
1: okay with that?
3: Um, at first, I think they were glad that we were waiting a while. Uh-huh. And uh, I think they were okay. Um yeah, they were kind of, there was no problem there.
2: Right, right. I think her dad later became really my best friend because yeah. uh-huh. he was with us in that church plant. And well,
1: so- they're coming in. There's this Navy guy coming in and taking their daughter, yeah. their affections yeah. of their daughter, you yeah. know. And so there's all that going on. Well, there's a lot more to this story that uh, we've got about uh, a minute and a half left. And there's a lot more to share because uh, let's give a little taste of what they're going to hear next week, what our listeners are going to hear, because— the Lord had implanted in your heart uh, to bless the nations, as you said, and you weren't quite sure how that was going to happen, right? right? I mean, yeah. you know, you, you're not a you're not a visionary kind of a guy that's like, okay, now Lord, here's the next steps we're going to take to to take this hill.
2: Yeah. In fact, based upon my prior experience, I figured this is going to be a total flop, and um, we'll just do. You know, I'll just obey, trust, obey, and then you know, when it flops, I'll say, I told you so, God. And but he had other plans.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this church that you were involved in in Texas, um, they had a mission, a vision for missions, though.
2: Well, yeah, it was a it was a missions minded church. But actually, the founding pastor um, retired or resigned to start a missionary training center somewhere else. And then a few, years, he asked me to come and plant a church connected with the training center. I see. And so um, we moved to another town, which is where our home offices are now. Yeah. To to plant a church, it was a good experience, a church planting experience. Before I went into missions. Yeah. And that was helpful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been speaking with Rick and Jana Malm. Rick is the um, founder and president of Commission to Every Nation, C10. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is how it's how you uh, how, what you call it, and uh, it's an, an, an incredible. Concept as far as how people become involved as missionaries through C10, and uh, I don't know if you'd call it a traditional missionary agency or not. No, it's very untraditional. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and uh, you can learn more about uh, C10 if you go to C T E N dot o r g and and uh learn how to uh also if you want to contact rick but we're going to come back next week rick and kind of share the rest of the story about uh, your life as a missionary great. and uh how people can become involved in missions so great
2: love it thank you thank you
0: you've been listening to this eight twenty 20 a.m the word special heart of the city for more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 20 AM The Word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com.